0: My next guest I had the privilege to sit down with is a resident of a small town in the state of Virginia, and their motto is to forever and always live in your own truth and own happiness. So just sit with that for a moment. Live in your own truth and your own happiness. So this episode is dedicated to Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is in October. And so this is not the first time that you will see my guests. And this is definitely not the last time that you will see my guests. If you would like to know about their transition journey, that will be part two of this series. Uh, Within this episode, we dedicated this episode to highlight uh, October being National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So uh, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month was declared in 1989. Domestic violence, by the way, is prevalent in every community. It affects all people, regardless of age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. Domestic violence can be physical. It can be mental. It can be verbal. And it can be sexual. And so this episode can be very, very heavy for some. I don't like to say trigger warning. And I don't like to say that I've explained this before because of the climate in this country and the climate in this world with gun violence. So I don't like to use the word trigger uh, just for no reason. Um, So I would like to say that this episode carries a content warning and it carries an emotional warning. And so before you tap into this episode, um, there's some things that we go into great detail about, about both of our experiences with domestic violence as we were children. Um, growing up and the effects from that so I would suggest to listeners um, if you've been in a domestic violence situation or if you know someone has been in a domestic violence situation or maybe it's just you are very sensitive to these types of topics and stories I would highly suggest you take a break maybe just pause here and go get some water maybe go for a walk uh, be out in nature while listening to this episode, or call someone over to listen to this episode with, share this episode with someone that you can listen together uh, with a friend or a loved one. Um, because I will admit that it gets very heavy um, and it can be heavy for some that are taking in this episode. Um, but it's a necessary conversation, right? And it's a necessary thing to talk about. And it's also necessary to know how domestic violence affects children. And so, um, according to the national domestic violence awareness website, they say that 20 people are physically abused by intimate partners every minute. So that equals to more than 10 million abuse victims annually. One in three women and one in four men have been physically abused by an intimate partner. And one in five women and one in seven men have been severely physically abused by an intimate partner. And so we 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 know that uh, folks that are victims of domestic violence, and don't get this wrong, right? Biological or cisgender men or masculine folks are not always the perpetrator or the aggressor in domestic violence situations, right? So domestic violence can come from Feminine-identified folks as well, right? So let's 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 say that also. And so, within a lot of domestic violence situations, um, every year millions of children are also exposed to domestic violence, and domestic violence incidents affect every person within a household, and especially with children, it can have a long-lasting, a negative effect. On a child's emotional well-being, social and academic functioning, right? And is there's been studies that say that it can affect a child's digestive system, it can um, affect their ability to learn, their speech, all of these things, right? Just their overall health and well-being versus a child that would grow up in a healthy, loving um, type of environment. And so, I want to say also that within this episode. We talked about both of our stories and what we've experienced as children. We also discuss ways in which um, we sought help and also um, how we chose healthy masculinity versus toxic masculinity. And so this is a really good episode. I also would like to say that this episode is kind of long. So if you wanna pause it in the middle and you wanna take a break because, hey, you like, yo, y'all been talking, for an hour now. And so maybe it's heavy, or maybe you just need a break and you want to come back and listen to it a little bit later. But I would like to say that there is an emotional warning attached to this. And there's also a time um, element attached to this. But this is a really good episode and it's a really necessary episode. And this is actually the first time that I've ever discussed me being a child living in a house with domestic violence and growing up in a domestic violence environment. So I usually always say, enjoy this episode. I um, hope that you enjoy this episode, but I won't say that this time because of the context of the of this episode and being a domestic violence awareness episode. Um, I hope that this episode brings awareness. I hope that this episode brings some sort of explanation some sort of clarity uh for some folks and around domestic violence and so listen to this episode share this episode Hello and welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron, he, him, his, and I will be your guide throughout this journey on the show. This show is a platform where trans men of color voices will be amplified as we share our stories. Trans men of color are not monolithic. What that means is our journeys are not the same. We come from different backgrounds, we have different stories, family relations, chosen family, and most of all, we have different transition journeys visibility equals possibility i like to say that all the time we like to highlight on this show trans men of color businesses and entrepreneurs parents athletes survivors and many other issues and topics that are relatable to trans men of color in our existence then boys podcast is not only a platform to amplify our voices but to raise awareness and conversation around our lived experiences so thank you for tuning in Thank you for supporting, listening, and sharing the show. Welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron, he, him, his. And this is a special episode. So if I don't know if you know or not, but October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so my next guest, we're going to discuss our experiences as children growing up um, in households and being exposed to domestic violence. We want to bring awareness to the subject. We want to also discuss how we chose healthy masculinity versus toxic masculinity. And we would like to share some resources and also how we maintain our mental health etc cetera, etc cetera. so this is going to be a great episode my guest has if you want to know more about my guest in their transitional journey that episode will be next week so uh welcome to the show
1: welcome 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 yes this is I always recommend tune into the podcast they are always a vibe they will help you spiritually mentally and also physically 10 out of 10 recommend it
0: yes thank you appreciate that so you want to go ahead and introduce yourself for folks hello
1: everyone my name is nick he him his um pronouns um i am a trans man out of the state of virginia um i'm here today um as you all know it is the national domestic violence awareness month and i just feel like this is one of those episodes that you know could be educational to some can also help someone who may be in this Um, toxic type of environment to stray away from that and know that there are other options that are there for you.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. And I also want to say that um, this is actually my first time talking about my experiences with domestic violence as a child. And so uh, before this, before we started recording, I had, I told Nick, yo, I, I had to take care of myself because I ain't never talked about this before. So I had to sage, I had to, uh smudge myself and a dog so the dog I, my dog actually likes to get sage i tell him to sit down and i and i smudge him real quick and then i say okay on about your day you, you covered so i also had to to burn a nice little candle i had to listen to some soft music i had to really uh lean into the conversation right so i know nick's a little bit of nick's story but i've never shared mine so nick is there anything that you did in order to prepare for this episode
1: it's more so like i said um staying in a positive mindset um, where I have, you know, discussed this before to some individuals it's you know, it made me more comfortable in speaking on it. Um, it, it definitely, I will, you know, like I said, with these stories, I will want you to make a disclaimer. If it's something that could make you feel, you know, uneasy, it's okay to take a break in this podcast. I know some of these topics today, it can be a bit overwhelming um, to some. Um, it can be emotional for some as well. Um like I said, just today I just made sure everything I did was more of a, a highlight of positivity to get me in prepared this for today as well.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, I will say that that this I don't like to say trigger warning. I like to say either content warning or emotional warning. So definitely, um, if you have experienced some of these things or maybe you haven't experienced some of these things and it may cause uh a response within your body, just take a break, come back, uh Listen to it with someone. Share it with someone that you can listen to it with. Go get some water. Do some stretching. Maybe you pull out your sage and, and smudge if that's something that you do. Um, go take a walk or or whatever it may be. Or or, or you know um, if you currently have a mental health specialist, consult your mental your therapist or your mental health specialist. So uh so Nick I'm I'm gonna leave it with you. So you could start out um in telling your story and, and so for folks to hear.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. At a younger age, you know, all this definitely happened during my childhood. There you was know, something that a child should never witness, should never see. You know, as a child, you're expecting to see your parents be loving and caring. Everything is happy-go-lucky. Um, you just never know. Even though you know your parents may have disagreements, you just never know it would happen. It would be behind closed doors. But my childhood, everything that transpired, I witnessed everything. Um, I Pretty much lost both my parents at the age of six, Um, one due to domestic violence from their partner. Um, It went from learning now, you know, I realized my father was a controlling individual. Um, Pretty much what he said goes. And if it didn't go his way, that's when it was the wrath of hell, pretty much. Sometimes he would, you know, take it out on me. Or if I you know my mother was around, it was her um with my childhood, it kind of sucks because you know you expect to remember things from your childhood, all positive things, so everything that happened it kind of altered my mind to where I only focus and remember all the bad stuff that happened. um I noticed things starting to be different in a sense um my father would always put her down with words verbally. Um, saying that she would never amount to anything. He don't know why she's in hair school because she would never be what she wanted to be in life. Like, I'm talking to the point where he controlled her to where she had to stop that. He made her stay home. Um, So that's when it started being verbal at first. Then it went from being verbal to starting to do slight abuse, physical abuse. And I always noticed my mother was always the quiet type. Um you know what I'm saying she was very, very quiet to where she's like me in a sense when something like you're coming at me, I'll just be quiet, and I get that from her. It's like one of our you know safe things to do um when like I said, when she would never be home like I could be like I remember one time I told her I was hungry, just like a little what any child would do, like oh yeah, I'm hungry, um so I remember in daycare my I had a a fixation with bread, I don't know what it was about bread, that was my thing I'm talking about. You know, when you roll the bread up, it makes it sweet. I would sit there and come from school and roll it up and then sit in my cartoon. That, that was my thing. But I remember in daycare, I love cheese bread. Again, I'm six years old. I didn't know how you make cheese bread. I didn't know. I'm just thinking you put it in a toaster and that's what it was. Now, all of a sudden, it was, you're supposed to put it in the oven. <laughs> I didn't know. So after I told him that that's what I wanted to do, um, he just ignored me. And went from being ignored to five minutes later. um, What's going on with the cheese bread? He's ignoring me again. So I took it account. I'm just going to go into the kitchen. I'm going to go ahead and put the cheese bread in the toaster with the cheese on it. Again, I didn't know. I'm six years old. This is what I think is supposed to happen. Um, Eventually, smoke came from the toaster. um, A little flame. And that triggered him badly. Um, Normally... uh, in this like at my age now looking at that, I wouldn't have punished my child for how he punished me. That was one of those whoopings that I never should have gotten. You know what I'm saying? It was very like it was it was definitely painful. Um second instant again, same thing with food. I wanted an orange, you know what I'm saying? and I now again I just felt like at six I shouldn't been doing most of the things I was doing as far as going in the kitchen and able to reach for your utensil. So I ended up getting a knife, Try to cut an orange, went through my finger. Um, you would think as a parent, your finger, okay, he ignored my, my finger and there was another whooping that I received because of that. And over time, like I said, as a I was running into this while he was doing that, he was pretty much having an affair. So his focus at the time was, you know, while my mother was away, it was pretty much not worried about me. As so the attention was on the other women to the other kids he was producing outside of this relationship. You know what I'm saying? It was just a lot. Um, Eventually, you know, still dealing with the, starting seeing the physical abuse with him and my mother. And again, my mother would just sit there and take it. Like, I remember at one point in time, I was angry at her because like, why are you doing this? Why aren't you trying to fight back? Why aren't you getting the cops involved? Because my current father now, at the time, he was a police officer. So I just figured you can at least call him and like, maybe he could do something, but she never did. And that was that fear I knew he had in her. You know what I'm saying? And I understand when it comes to this, when someone put that much fear in you, you're not going to want to leave because you're going to feel like there's no one who's going to want me now. Um, so they going not say they sorry, but in the end they will still revert back to the same ways. And I just think that's what it was in that situation. Um, One point, you know, my mother did finally stand up. She did. Um, We finally ended up leaving all our stuff at the house to the point where we moved in, you know, definitely with my grandma. My grandma was very supportive in this because, of course, she knew everything that was going on. And she always would tell my mother every day, Jermaine, you need to leave. It's only going to get worse. I remember her telling her every day, you need to go ahead and leave. File that divorce and go ahead and go. But again, she just wouldn't do it. We were living with my grandma, but it was just one of those things to where she just couldn't do it. So even though what was going on between them and her, you know, them two together, it was still one of those things where I don't want to take your father away from me. So she would have it to where it was you no know, visitation. Well, you can come get, cause they always call me cold. You can come get cold on the weekend. Um, Woo But then again, while I was with him in my mind, stuff like he didn't want me. Cause it was one time um, we had went back to the house and his other woman was there. And I'm like, dang, we move out. You bringing another woman in? That's, that's kind of wicked to me. But he did that, and he had walked in the house. And like I said, I, I, I try not to overthink things, but it's, it, some things, when you put them together, it kind of makes sense. He had walked in the house, and I know our driveway was on an embankment. And in my mind, again, called me crazy. I just felt like that was his way of trying to get rid of me quote unquote um as soon as he got out the car the car started drifting down the hill with me in it so i don't know if it was where he was having these kids with these other women he was like well jermaine will still do what you know i want her to do it's regardless type thing but you know the neighbor saw it happening he jumped in the car you know pressed the brakes, and got the car back in control. And then he come out like, oh, I didn't didn't know it happened, type thing. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't sit well with me. And then, of course, you know, he told me not to tell my mother that it happened, and I didn't because where I would witness him do things to my mom, I never really said a whole lot of things. Um, To the woman, he moved into the house. Again, I guess where he was controlling my mother, he was in this woman's mind telling her what to do, in a sense. Where she didn't like my mother. Anyone that my dad messed with, they never liked my mother. I'm talking about calling my grandma's house, staying things, hanging up. It was like real lifetime movie ish in this whole year. To he left me with this woman in the house to go run some errands, to this woman told me to take a bath. And I'm telling her, you know, this is how I like my water. You know, you shouldn't have the water extremely hot for a kid. You know what I'm saying? Oh, she made me sit and scold in hot water for five minutes, and I told my mother about it, and I she didn't tell my dad, and I know the reason why that she she didn't tell him because I knew she didn't want to have any arguments, but I knew it upset her because she was breaking down to my grandma, and again that's my grandma saying, Jermaine, we need to press charges, but we never did because she know she she knew she had to did something, it would have triggered him to where who knows what he would have done. And again, that's where again that controlling spirit comes into the play. And it's like you don't know if you want to do things or should you or should you not, depending on how that person's gonna act. And it it, it goes on to, you know, again, he's out, quote unquote, telling my mom he's going to work. But again, it's multiple women coming to the house. So again, this is the house where we still typically live in. and most of these women live in here, it was just a, a lot of things going on to he realized my mother got a job. He ended up coming to my grandma's house where her car was in the carport. Um, I remember my grandma started yelling in the house saying, We gotta get out the house. And I go outside and her car is caught on fire in the carport. And to this day, <laughs> to this day, and it's been since ninety four, he claims she had nothing to do with it. But who else gonna set this car on fire? Um, so that that diminished. Um to this day, I really don't – but, you know, this is a real shit. Um, I don't know how to ride a bike because of this. Because my mother had spent her last dollars to buy me his bike. And the bike was the one that got caught in the fire with this. And kind of been on a bike ever since. It was like one of those traumatic things. Like, I love the bike. It was what I really wanted. And now it's just like, do I want to try to get on a bike now at this age or do I don't? Because I just know certain things are very traumatic to me. Like, I don't, like, even in relationships, I don't like to yell. That's traumatic. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I was used to seeing that all the time with my, my parents. Just certain things, it, it's like a trigger within me. And it's like, I always have to tell my partners, it's never nothing, you may not have known. But, you know, X, Y, Z, it can alter my mood. It's where I'm, like, kind of shut down and quiet. To, you know, I would, the whole the physical abuse thing, I just can't ever see myself. Doing the things he did to her, I'm talking about like choking her out to where she couldn't breathe, to uh, you know smacking her all the time. It was it was definitely rough. Um, down to I started when I started seeing everything with the fire. That's when I know again a, a six year old shouldn't think these thoughts. Right? When you're six years old, you you all you think about is toys, cartoons, and making mess. That's what a normal child is going to want to do. But I started thinking something's going to happen to my mom. I don't know when, I don't know how, but something's going to happen for her, something that's not going to be right. And then it's like he was one of those manipulative people where he would talk her down like, Jermaine, you know, I'm sorry. You know, just I just got a lot of things going on. That was his excuse all the time. And she will always fall for it. And again, like I said, I just know from doing research on this, that's like one of the things that people want to do. They do always fall for it because they feel like in their mind that this person is going to change. And they love them and no one else is going to love them like this person which that's a normal feeling to have in these type of situations but realistically this is them having that control over you type thing so now yeah i remember like i said everything i'm telling you is like the only thing i remember i can't tell you anything else my childhood these are like all my toxic memories um it's more so my mother had to go, was about to leave to go to choir practice. You know what I'm saying? And he had called me. And mind you, you know how to manipulate a kid. He called my grandma's house and saying, Let me speak to my baby girl Cole. So I went from that to he said, So I'm about to head to the store, what kind of cereal do you want? At that time it was tricks. I don't know what it was about Trick's cereal. <laughs> That's when they had the 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 fruit designs, not the little beady balls now, you know what I'm saying? And again, like I said, to this day I don't eat tricks because of this. You know what I'm saying? Like that was my cereal. Um, he said, "All right, cool. Give me like 15 minutes. I'm gonna come by and I'm gonna just drop the phone. Cool. Time went by. Knock on the door, and my uncle, who also stayed with us at the time, he said, "Cole, your daddy at the door." I'm like, All right, "Cool. I'm getting my cereal. <laughs> you mean I don't care about who, I don't care about who it is. I'm about to get my cereal, go pour my little bowl of milk, and call it a day." So he come. He left the door, and you know, it's more so. I grabbed the bag, go in the kitchen, and next thing you know, I hear like this loud tumbling noise. It's like something fell over. You know what I'm saying? So I dropped the bag, and I went straight through the the dining or the living room, and went to the second part of the living room. That's a little curved part, and that's when I saw both my uncles and my grandma pulling my mother into the door, and when I went all the way fully in, you can see he was repeatedly punching her in her face. I'm talking about I'm talking about not one of them little baby I'm talking about he put his entire might into them punches. Um as soon as they finally pulled her in, I noticed in his right hand something black. So thinking at it now, I'm thinking that may have been the weapon. But where they shut the door, he got in his car and drove off. And my mother was, like, extremely one of those light, light, light white-skinned individuals. So for me to look at her, and she was definitely unrecognizable. I'm talking about it was purple, green, like, swollen eyes, busted lips, the whole nine yards. And my grandma said again, Jermaine, see, we need the fresh charges. I remember that clear as day. And my mother said, no, I'll be all right. So I was like. Something has got to give. So my grandma ended up calling my uncle at the time. He come over and he kept trying to plead to her, Jermaine, let's press charges. And she kept saying no. She kept saying no. Then at the time, that's when they ended up taking me away because you know they didn't want me to be around that. So I stayed with my my cousin and my aunt and uncle at the time for maybe like a a few days, just for my mother, I guess, to get herself together. November come around, um, and all this uh, mind you, all this happened within. A four-month period, all this. this. So like I said, me and my mom could be out on the street. Again, the people that my dad was messing with who didn't like her, probably running off the road. I remember we was about we was playing chicken with a car. Like, that's the first time you know, I realized what what chicken was. I'm thinking chicken, you know what I'm saying, that you eat, right? They said, no, nah, chicken is you got these cars coming. Whoever moved first is who's going to move first. And I remember this clear as day, she came and got me from school, and we were coming down the road, and the car just hit on. And I overheard, you know, her telling my, well, her sister it happened, wh- who it was and probably the reason why that they did it. So that's, like I said, looking at it now, it's like, oh, y'all low-key jealous of my mom because she passed him full time, technically. And y'all really want what she got not knowing. Look at the, the the shit that he put her through. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, November came about. And, of course, this is new. So the, this is the matter of fact, the week before Thanksgiving, uh, my dad came and got me and he was like, well, cause I remember one time I let the dog out. We had a child, a black child, and I named him Bear. He was a cute little thing. And I lit the cage up and he ran away. Never seen him ever since. Did I get beat for it? Yeah, sure did. I might have beat the skin off my butt. He did. Um, so his excuse was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, people's they got some puppies, and I know you don't have bear anymore. Let's get you some puppies. And mind you, I, I'm I'm one of those people. If we're riding around, I will focus on the scenery, and I'll know what things is. So, of course, me in the passion, say I'm like I know this area. This is where my aunt Wanda live. I I know I know these trailer homes. I know where we at. So, of course, we go to the like when I tell you this man was so smart. He played everything to the T. Like it was great, valid information. Like you would have believed it. You would have believed everything this man said. So we went to the the spot, and I'm noticed. Oh, that's my aunt's trailer, but I recognized another car in front of my aunt's house, and that was my mother's boyfriend's car. So I was like, "Oh, he's there. Okay, that's that's." But I didn't, of course. I know not to say certain things around him. My mom always said, when certain people around and your dad asks about it, don't say nothing. And I never did. Of course, when he would tell me not to do stuff, I was like in the middle. I was like the middle middleman. Like when one parent would tell me don't say nothing, I don't. And when the other one tried to get information, I don't say it. It was definitely one of those toxic things as a child. To we went around a, a little corner and he pulled up to this trailer. And I mean, I tell you this man is smart. He went and knocked on the door and he heard dogs barking. So I'm thinking, well, this is the house where we're getting puppies from. You know what I'm saying? I'm hearing a whole lot of dogs barking. Um, he go knock on the door no one answered. He come back in the car. And said, um, well, they ain't here. Let's go to McDonald's and get something to eat. And we'll come right back. Drove five minutes on the road. Got some chicken nuggets. My kids meal from McDonald's. We sat in there and ate it. He said, well, they should be back now. We go back. But instead of him turning that left, this man turned to right. And at the time, I saw my mother's car. So I'm like, okay, how is this about to play out? Because normally, you know, he like the the cuss, argue, fight, but now I see her in the driver's seat and him in the passenger seat. So of course it started like any other thing. Them arguing, them calling her out her name, the everything, and then he's acting who he was. And he come back to the car. So I'm thinking, all right, he gonna he gonna argue, and we are gonna get in the car and go away. But I'm excited because I'm seeing my mama. You know what I'm saying? I ain't seen her since you know, that we're I'm, I'm trying to wave and get her attention, but I noticed her attention wasn't on me. She's trying to figure out what he was doing. Um, it definitely transpired for the worst after that. It went from he coming back to the car to reaching the glove department, but I didn't know what he was reaching for. I, I didn't know until I heard that first loud bang. So I was like, "What what is that? And I turned around and I see her boyfriend. You can see he had the way he crawled from the passenger seat to run out the back door. Like he was bolting, running. And it went from that to my dad's attention went off of her to him. And that's when he, you know, did the firing shots to him, which hit him directly in the back as he's running. So the last two and final shots. While my mother's out the car, because from what the, the documentation stated, that first shot that he did went from the passenger back to the front. And that's what hit, hit, you know, her neck area. So she was trying to get out the car. And then I guess the last two shots was, you know, as the court stated, the quote unquote kill shots. And then he gets in the car. And at this point, I'm screaming. I'm hysterical. Because I'm like, yo, what what is going on? I felt the heat of the barrel of that gun to my head, and he told me to shut up, and I shut the fuck up. I'm talking about the tears stops. Uh, Listen, whatever you want me to do, because I didn't know from everything that was going on. What if it was to the point where he didn't want me either, and that was his way of you know, all right, well the main person is gone. Now let's go ahead and take the witness out too. I didn't know what was. I didn't know anything that was going to happen. So again, when he told me to shut up, that's what I did.
0: Hey, this is Sean Aaron. I'm the founder and executive director of Them Boys, Inc. I am also the host of Them Boys podcast. As you may know, Them Boys provides financial assistance to trans men of color in order for them to obtain gender affirming surgery. We have great news. We're currently looking for volunteers to help support our programs. Our programs include our gender affirming surgery grant program and also our personal care package program. We personally curate packages filled with personal hygiene items, just to name a few, things like tissue, soap, towels, toothpaste, and toothbrushes. We mail them out to trans men of color across the country who may be in need of help caring for their personal hygiene needs. We are looking for volunteers to help raise funds to support our programs. Also, we're looking for someone locally to the Bay Area to help us put all of the care packages together. If our mission is something that resonates with you and you would like to help support our work, just let us know. You can send an email to hello at themboys.org. That is H-E-L-L-O at D-E-M-B-O-I-S.org. And we will get back to you with further details. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy the next episode.
1: Reverting back to the trailer we had went to about the dogs. When I say this man lies, they did an interview with that person and they say they don't know who the hell my daddy was. So that tells me he must have been scoping the area and or stalking, figuring out my mother's whereabouts. Um, So it definitely, in the next two hours, he ended up dropping me off to his, his brother's house. And when I tell you, I it was like one of those, you would think was getting chased by the cop type thing. That's how fast it was going. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm getting slung around the car. Like, I didn't know what to expect. Um, then he finally said and took me to his brother's house. And it definitely, I was, I was like trauma. I mean, it was a traumatic thing. I was just stuck. And I was definitely one of those kids that was always hyper. I'm talking about, you know, when you got the kids and we sit, sit the hell down. That was me. <laughs> I, I I was sitting down. I'm talking about not, not move, moving. I remember I had to use the bathroom so bad. I had to go so bad. I just, I just didn't, I didn't want to move. And I know I was at my uncle's house for like maybe a good 45 minutes. He didn't already left. He then took off, and they said, "Well, he, your dad told us to take you to your grandma's house, so we are going to go ahead and go to um, take drop you off." The whole entire car ride, I'm I'm starting to shake now because again, all this happened while I was in the car, so now I'm in another car. I don't know what's again. I didn't know what was going to happen, so they finally take me to my grandma, and of course, my grandma. That's that's my baby. She said, "Um, it was like yo, um, Miss Miss Mabel, um, Cole is acting different. You know, Cole Cole ain't talkative, you no." Know, She's just this quiet, and my grandma said, Well, you know how cold is cold getting her mood. And she started laughing. They had a little small conversation, and we went in the house. and I don't know, it's like you know that feeling when you go into your grandparents' house, it's like it's something warm, it's, everything is relaxed. And that's how I felt because she looked at me and said, Cold, your mom went out, she's about to, she'll, she'll be back. I looked at my grandma dead in her face and broke down. I said, My mother isn't coming home. And she kept saying, what's going on? I said, my mother isn't coming home. And she's looking at me confused because what do you mean? And maybe 15 minutes later, I remember at the time, my uncle was the a, a police officer. So of course, you know, and the code is if someone in your family has an incident. They can't tell you the full details because it's your relative. But they did inform, they say, well, your sister-in-law was in an accident. This is all we can tell you. So when she, we got that phone call, she was like, your, your mom's in the hospital. What's going on, Cole? What's going on? And I just couldn't tell her. I couldn't tell her. Um, my mom now at the time you know that's my aunt, I call my mother. Um, she come over. She started. She's crying. She said, "Jermaine, something something happened to Jermaine. We gotta go." Mind you, I'm in the back seat. You know they constantly keep asking me, Nicole, what's what's wrong? I'm like, I just couldn't say anything. I I, I was really mute. I was muted. I just. I was still processing everything that happened. So we finally get to the hospital. And from what, you know, was told in court, she pretty much passed on the way to the hospital. They tried to, you know, save her in the the scene, do as much as they could. But they said maybe five minutes from the hospital, they said that she just didn't make it. So, of course, when they get to the hospital, they were trying to call the, I guess the immediate family to go to the back. um, But they did not want me to go back there. Um, they said, they, I pretty much saw too much, especially while I was with him, that I just need to go home. And I know me and my mother now, we had a conversation maybe three years ago. And it was kind of one of those emotional conversations because she said she kind of regrets not letting me say my goodbye to her. But she in her mind, she just felt like the right thing to do was I saw too much. And she didn't want me to see my mother in that state. Of where I, the day before I saw her, like I said, cheerful, happy, and smiling. To where, who knows what she may have looked like? Because again, from what I saw in the, the incident, it won't it won't good. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of you know just blood everywhere. I just didn't know. Well, like I said I, I told her that you know it's okay because you never know how they could have you know transpired me in my own personal life. I had to saw all that as well. I was already dealing with, you know, the previous traumatic and toxic things. So to now it's like, I'm okay with not seeing that. And then, of course, you know, the funeral come. And it was still registering that my mom was dead. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, I'm six. So I'm trying to figure out, well, my mom's asleep. In my mind, I'm seeing her laying in this casket. Mom mom's asleep. She don't wake up. So as, as I'm looking around, like everybody crying. I'm talking like, the, the entire city is in this church. She's in there crying. like, why are they crying for? Like, what's going on? And then it dawned on me at the actual burial. That I'm like, well, wait, mama's in there. Why Why is she getting to the ground? And then that's when my other aunt came and said, and she would just sat down, and she pulled me away from everybody. And that's when she, you know, how with kids, you can't really fully say too much. So he's trying to, you know, debbie it down a little bit, like, well, you know, guy, you know, decided, you know, It was, you know, some. It was sometimes people are better in heaven than they are here, and you know, just know she has a job with God now, but she's gonna always be here around you. Um, I will be honest. Um, I haven't been to the grave site since '94, and I think it's more so in the fact of I'm scared, in a sense, to go up there. Um, it's definitely like. Yeah, it's definitely a scary feeling because I know the reason behind it makes me angry. It, it definitely makes me angry because you shouldn't be there. Like, this, you're supposed to be here with me now rocking. We're supposed to be getting on each other's nerves and whoop to whoop And now it's like, you're going. So, you know, throughout this, it, it definitely made me try. That's when you know, I started trying to figure myself out because of this. Because, you know, in my mind, like I said, I I just felt like every guy was like my dad. So I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Not saying that these men work, because there are some good men out there. Salute to y'all. But I just felt like, you know what? Y'all going to be manipulative like the hit he was, trying to lure me in, and it's going to be a repetitive thing. To so of course, you know, my parents now, they had their toxic things. So I'm like, damn, I'm dealing with the physical abuse with this shit. And now I'm coming with y'all where my dad was a cop. He was sort of like you know he he was a drinker. I just feel like with certain jobs it stretches you out to the point where you drink it. Do what you do. That's your business, and that's what it was with him. And he'll go out you know gambling with the work buddies and come back literally drunk to their arguing, to their infidelities, uh, to I'm remembering one time they're chasing around the, each other around the house because he's drunk. She poured the whole. Back in the day, his thing was Jen You know, gin, it definitely make you sin. <laughs> That's, that was his thing. I'm talking about the gallons. And in his vehicle, he always had the OJ and Jen That was his thing. And I remember her pouring that whole bottle in the sink, and that pissed them off, and they started chasing each other. And it was like, damn, this is like a repetitive thing. Not knowing, and it's like it's crazy. Me telling the next part of the side of the story, I feel like one day I need to express this to them, how that was low-key traumatic to me as well. Um, not knowing that they they may not have known it may have been but just looking at it it was like this is a repeating cycle so of course i automatically thought the worst like damn like my dad did this to my mom and now i'm seeing y'all two do it it was definitely one of those um scary moments to where i know i ended up telling her i wanted to go back to my grandma's house and that's when i went back this is you know after we did the court thing of course, of course, you know, my dad now, double life. He's been in jail since 94. Um, but, of course, in the state of Virginia, one of these Commonwealth states, after so many years, he can file for an appeal. He's tried three times and been denied ever since. Um, I, like I said, after the court and everything, I, would, I stayed with my grandma. And I remember one night she came in and said, Cole, why are the lights on? And I told my grandma, at this time, I'm seven. I told her I haven't been asleep in a whole week. Mind you, I'm seven years old. It's been what going on a whole week before I had any type of sleep. But every time I closed my eyes, I heard the gunshots. And that scared the fuck out of me. And that's when it was like, we need to go ahead and put Nicole in counseling. Because if she can't sleep like this at this age, if we don't do nothing now, what's going to digress in the future? So that's when it definitely went to that. And that's when I'm going back to, like I said, me starting to figure out who I was as a person. I was like, you know what? Let me s- see what it is dating women. You know what I'm saying? And I, that's when it, it, I made a decision on being the more dominant one because I felt like I would never want to put the person I love through the same shit that my dad and everything I witnessed to my partner. To, you know, the more toxic thing from, you know, seeing my friends do it to their partners and I would, you know, I lost mad friendships over there. Cause I'm telling them yo, what you're doing ain't right. Obviously those friendships weren't supposed to be in my life. So it, that's how we it ended. It's cool. I'm gonna stand on what I believe in. Like, even when it comes to certain movies that have it in it, I, it kind of broke in the wrong way. I'm like, yo, like, I know it's part of the acting, but when you experience this in real life, it triggers you in a different way to, you know, I felt like, you know, I I think I told you the story as well. Um, I think parts of my life wasn't excelling the way I felt like it because I had, you know, the universe, like, you know, in our previous conversation, you know, it allows certain things to happen and not happen. And I just felt like, you know, things wasn't progressing as it should at all. Like, it wasn't progressing. And it was based off having all this hatred built up in my heart for this man. Like, you took my mother away. Not only you took her, you took both my parents. And I was supposed to be in a living home with a family, possibly having other kids within us, not these outside women. But you you, you didn't, you didn't slip this shit away. So I told my homegirl, um, I think I want to see him. Mind you, I'm 22 at the time. And this happened when I was six. So I got the entire um, the form. I filled it out. Finally got approved. And that's when they started kicking in. Like, shit, now I really got to do this. In order for me to just have a clear heart and clear mind, I have to do this. To that was the longest five hour drive. In my mind, it felt like three days. I didn't drive, I just knew mentally I don't wanna drive, just let me just sit in silence while we we get there. And it was definitely an eerie feeling being in jail. Um, And they said, yeah, just sit down. Well, when he come out, we bring him over. And I kept hearing the door open and close for other inmates. So I knew I said, well, that's going to be the door they, that they come in from, you know what I'm saying? And it went from, from this door open this one, this one particular time and it didn't feel right. Again, you, your intuition would never lie to you. I said, something about the way this door opened, it ain't sitting well with me. And I turned around a little bit and it was him. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to just go up and, up and fucking leave. I didn't know. I was just stuck. And, you know, it just rubbed me the wrong way Cause I, this is where I, I know mental illness is real. This is a real fucking thing. Um, he's trying to hug me like everything was okay. It was more so like, um, um hey, this my baby, sir. What, what, what? No, this is not what we're here for. And I told him that he kind of looked off a little bit. But let's be real, like. This, this is something that needs to be done. And it was him asking me how I was doing, asking about my grandma. That was irrelevant. Like, again, this is not what I'm here for. It was pretty much me asking him, you know, which, again, I knew the reason why you did it. You just didn't want my mother to be happy on her own or with someone else. I knew it, but I wanted to hear it from your voice. So when I asked him, the bullshit that came out his mouth was, Nicole, I didn't mean to do it. And I, I do apologize if I am saying my, my dead name. This is just what I'm just used to saying at this. He said, Nicole, I didn't mean to do it. So, of course, I told him at the moment, I said, Well, if you didn't mean to do it, why didn't you just leave it as a normal argument or beat her like you did before and just leave? You took it to the extreme and taken her life. And not only that, you made me sit and watch it. So, how do you expect this turnaround to be? You know what I'm saying? To, you know, He's apologizing, and that's when you know it went from anger, hurt to now I'm emotional. I'm crying because that's like it's just now you're feeding me bullshit, and now the fact that I'm having to really these thoughts for trying to forgive you because I'm gonna forgive you. That's the biblical thing to do, so I can go ahead and go on with my life. I'm gonna forgive what you did, but just no, I'm not gonna forget. So I don't think that me coming to see you that I'm gonna have this cordial relationship with you like you're my dad, my father. Now I'm going to come back and visit you. This is just my closing chapter in my life. And I told him, I said, you got to understand. I ex- like I explained, I ended up, you know, stopped dating men because I felt like they were all like you. I ended up choosing the street life because I felt like the street life, because that's what you did. You and your brother was in the streets selling drugs. So I was in New York doing what I had to do because I felt like this is what my life is supposed to be because this is what I saw you do. I said, you don't understand. Like you put me in so many predicaments mentally that I didn't have no way out today's where I, I wanted to just take my life because you're you're haunting me. You know what I'm saying? It was definitely traumatizing. to you know, the fact that you now only, you know, you have this fear in my mother's mind. To this day, my grandma is still afraid of you. You know what I'm saying? This I, I, I didn't tell them that. But to this day, my grandma is very fearful of this man. And I know this because when we first got that letter of an appeal, that morning, my grandma was perfectly fine. We was outside Keen, in. Talking about the yard work, walking around, and then within three hours, she had a stroke. You can't tell me something in that letter thinking that this man was going to be released. Then interfere with that. So it's just definitely a a lot with this. And that's why I'm always keen to anyone or if you know anyone that's not even to the extent of domestic violence, please get out. That's my motto. And I know it's easier said than done. Leave. There are several options there. If you really have true friends, because what kills me if you have the friends that know you're going through this, and he's still entertaining, well, he's a good man. This good man shouldn't be beating your ass. This good man should be taking care of you and making you feel secure in yourself. Please leave. And especially if there are kids involved. I have a friend now who had a similar situation. In the same city I'm in, not only did He take her mother's life. He took her sister's life, too. Like, this is a real thing that happens, and people don't really want to talk about it. And it's like, the ending can stop now. There are several different ways. Relocate. Start somewhere new. I know people are afraid of change. If it's going to help you from getting out of that toxic relationship, leave. I would tell anybody that. I would never... Like, luckily, my my brothers are the men now. They don't do that. But I always tell them, I say, listen, if it came down to a point where you and your partner ever got physical, I'm not going to be mad at the reason why. I don't care if it's it's her fault or whatever. I'm going to be mad at you. Because as a grown man, you should never put your hands on a woman in any type of way. Like, you know, smacking or punching, choking. Don't do that. Walk away. People really when it comes to arguing or dealing with these controlling issues, they don't fucking think first. You know what I'm saying? They better go and light the mesh now and go. Breathe and walk away. But again, that's what people do and also with this, you know, there are also females who are violent as well. And this, and it, people don't speak on that. You know what I'm saying? They only focus on the men. Well, the men no, it's women out here too. They will they will control a man to where the man is afraid. Cause you never know what this woman's doing to him, and it's just—it's definitely a scary feeling, especially growing up seeing this. It definitely changed me as a person for the better. Because, like I said, I don't see myself ever being that controlling and that toxic. Um, that's where, of course, I took full control of my mental health to make sure I'm secure with this and I'm okay. To where I don't let the triggers fully take control when it should fully happen. Cause before it was—it was bad. It was bad. Like. To this day, I don't own a gun. Even though I know I would have one if I need one for safety. I won't. I won't have one. That's just my thing. I just can't do it. Like even in the courtroom, they having to bring the gun out because they found the gun. I'm on the stand crying because I knew that was the gun that took my mother's life. It was a very traumatic, traumatic thing. And like I said, everyone, please just get out. It's it's not worth it staying with this person. Don't let them. Keep coming back. I'm sorry, you know. I love you. That's that's what they always say. I'm sorry. I, I always love you. You know what I'm saying? Because they know you're gonna fall for it every time. They kn- they know what to say to keep you around. Not knowing the cycle is be repeated over and over and over again. But that's definitely my story. Oh, like I say, I'm not trying to you know tell my story for anyone to feel sorry for me. It's more of a educational thing. It's more of a open your mind and know there's other options of getting out. It's more so not letting anyone control your life in that aspect. It's more so someone put their hands on you, press the charges. People are so down for the street code, press them charges. It's okay to do that. Don't let anyone put that type of fear in your life to where you don't want to do anything.
0: I want to say, first, I want to just, Uh, Just a silence for a moment, just honoring your mother, um, the loss of your mother and just honoring who she is, who she was and who she would have been. So just a moment for that. Um, I also want to say for another thing is thank you for being vulnerable. Um, Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, thank you for sharing your story with me. Um, I had I heard your story prior to this episode. And I just want to say thank you for for being vulnerable and 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 letting people in your life and knowing hearing your story and and knowing where you come from. Um, and also I want to say big ups to grandma, because you know, grandma, she yeah, yeah, grandma's grandma seemed like a fighter, even though, you know, through all of that, right, as a parent, yeah. that's what parents are supposed to do is protect your children. Uh, even as an adult child right steer your children yeah. in the right direction and try to help them the best way that you can and so I you know I, I've never really talked about experiences with domestic violence that I experienced as a child Um, so I I want to tell a little bit of my story a little bit but then I also want to ask you some questions about chores uh-huh. so I, you know I never really talked about it because it was always like you know you know how black folks be like don't put the white people in your business. Don't tell nobody. Shut up. You know, but uh, so I'm the oldest of three, and my two younger brothers, their father was who my mom married, and he was very, very abusive. Um, and some of the things that I remember from a child, I still do to this day, because you know, right? We 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 triggered. We, we get we're traumatized and we conditioned to live a certain way, and so there are things um in that. Still kind of will uh, choke me in a a bit, but there was a lot of physical abuse. He would beat my mom, punch my mom. Our house was a constant. There was always a constant presence of the police. So that was one thing that my mom did do. She was always calling the police. And I used to be embarrassed, right? Because, you know, it, she never let us play outside. And so one of the things that the kids would always say is, why are the police always at your house, right? That was always like a thing. The police always at your house. Y'all never get to come outside, right? Well, My mom was fearful. I don't know if my mom was fearful. And that's why she didn't let us go outside because she was afraid of what would happen to us outside by him or whatever. But um, he used to do like these random things like he would always break our windows out. Always like we could just be sitting in the house eating dinner and he would just launch a brick through the window, scare the fucking shit out of you. Um, uh, we would be sleep. <clears throat> he w- he would run around the house and just break out all the windows with bricks if my mom didn't let him in. Um he was always like physically abusing her, he would physically abuse my brothers. It was one time that he physically abused me, but after that one time, he never really touched me again. But I remember uh and, and it's crazy because my mom she shared this story with me, not she she don't like to talk about it but she shared it with me not too long ago of how she knew the moment that she married him and said I do she knew he was the wrong man. And she was like even just the process of how they got married, where they got married, their journey to getting married and she was like after we said I do and she was like we supposed to be in this like loving type of mood, you know, you happy. Hey, we got married. Let's be happy. We hugging and kissing extra, you know. And she said he walked ahead of her and she was behind him. And she was like, I knew at that moment that this man wasn't for me. But I guess she felt the pressures of the church because my mom was heavily in church or whatever. And I don't know. She might have been pregnant. I don't know. She might have been lying to me. And she might have been pregnant and she wanted to get married because she ass was pregnant. I don't know that part. <laughs> I need to ask her that shit. I'm going to call her after this. Was <laughs> <laughs> she pregnant girl? That's why you got married. Any, anyway, but um, he was just, he was just angry. I don't know why that man was angry. Um, but I remember one time my mom had got a job and she was working at the local little UPS or whatever. So over here, they are, the, the sorters is the overnight shift. I don't know how they do it in other locations. I'm sure everywhere else it's a little overnight shift. And I don't know this man. She done left me with this man. I probably was like maybe six years old. And so I wake up and I'm like, where my mom at? You know, so I go in the room. I just see his ass in the bed. I'm like, wait, where my mama? I I went to full panic mode. I'm crying. Where is my mama? Like, where where is my mom? And so he was like, shut up, go to bed. Shut up. She coming back. She at work. I'm like, no, where is my mom? Like I went, I don't know you. I'm... And so I remember he just, he choked me. I am like sis, you choking a fucking child, right? He choked me and then he kind of like threw me down on the ground and he, he stood over me and took my ankles and put my ankles over my head and sat on me. Now, we talk about a grown man on a six-year-old. I couldn't breathe. I suffoc- I, was, I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, I can't breathe. But I'm still crying. And I can't breathe because you, your grown ass is sitting on me. And I remember I just peed on myself. And then he was mad because I peed on myself. So then I got a whooping for that. And I remember my mom coming home in the morning. And she was so mad that he ever put his hands on me that she quit her job. And so she didn't want to, she didn't feel safe leaving me with him anymore. So, and it's kind of crazy because my mom never worked after that. She didn't work for many, many years after that. She stayed at home for, oh, I don't know, for many years. Hey, this is Sean Aaron, the host of Them Boys Podcast. Are you enjoying the podcast so far? Great. I'm glad that you are. Would you consider donating today to help support the continuation of this podcast? As you know, this podcast aims to serve as a platform to highlight and amplify the voices of trans men of color and share our transition stories. The podcast not only aims to amplify trans men of color voices, but it also raises awareness around our lived experiences. You would like to donate? Where can you donate? Great. I'm glad that you asked. Link in our description will take you directly to Network for Good, whom we've partnered with in order to collect donations for the podcast. Or you can visit our website on the website. Click the donate button. And from there, you are able to donate directly to the podcast. All donations are tax deductible. What does the donations go to? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. Your donation will help to support our production costs. We are working with Jasmine from Pink Lady Productions that brings you this awesome content. And also, we pay our guests an honorarium. Pay our guests an honorarium? Yes, we do. Why? Because as trans men of color, we would like to support and uplift each other and honor the time that's given out to come here and share their stories. So, if you love this podcast, share and donate. See you on the next episode. Take care. So she raised my two little brothers. So when she finally got the, the guts to kick him out, right? She would let him in, right? Because he the father of her children. So occasionally he would, she would let him in, but he, he would get violent. He would throw shit. He would break shit. Um, I remember one time, so she had this lady at the church who was her friend and if my mom ever listened to this, I'm sorry I'm telling you business. <laughs> but <laughs> She had this lady at the church and the lady was like, won't you do something to him?" You know, she kind of put that in my mom's ear. She never really thought to do anything to him. She just took whatever he gave her. Right. And so uh, and so she she he he was physically beating her at this time, punching her, pushing her, yelling all this shit. And so she was like, oh, I got to go make she had to go make my little brother a bottle. So she went in the kitchen, you know, old school. We ain't talking about y'all new school parents. They got their little <laughs> bottle warmers. We talking about the old school parents. We had to warm that bottle up in that boiling water on the stove, right? And so she put the bottle in there. And so he's still hollering and yelling and fussing and throwing shit or whatever. And so he come in the kitchen and he grabbed her arm. I guess he didn't. He didn't like that she wasn't paying attention to him and she was busy, you know, she busy taking care of your child, motherfucker. So she took. I, I watched this and I remember. She took the bottle out of the water. She set it on the counter. And I don't know, she kind of like gave me a look because I moved. I'm like, "Ooh, some shit about to go down. I know it. I feel it. And she took that pot of water and she threw it on him. boiling. We're talking this boiling water. And he hollering and screaming. And so the fighting kind of got worse, but then he was burnt. So he kind of like chilled out for a minute. And that's the one time where I remember my mom stood up, but she was mad that she stood up. I don't know, like, why would she be mad? right? She was mad that she stood up. She was upset that she, um, that this lady had to, that she allowed, she says she allowed the devil to use her. I don't know how she felt that way, right? And so she was mad at the lady for putting that thought in her head to defend herself. She was mad for defending herself. And I don't know if she was mad because she did it in front of her children and she felt like I should never let my children see me in that way. I don't know. But she regretted that. And she would be talking about this recently of how she regretted that she got she stepped out of her character in that moment. Um, but the police was always a constant in our house. Um, I don't even now, like you said, in relationships, I don't like to yell. I don't like to fuss. I don't like to do none of that. And and don't get me wrong. I've had. I've had moments in relationships in the past where I have been an an, uh, a, an abuser. And not because I wanted to be, but because I felt as if I was defending myself. So I, I you know, I had a an, an ex and she should have been an ex long before she was actually an ex. Right. And she was verbally abusive. She would hit me. And I got to the point where I was tired of her hitting me. Stop hitting me. Don't please get out of my face. And I remember it was this one time where she spit in my face. Like she went to the deep depths of her, her lungs and just cocked out something nasty and green and spit it in my face. And I lost it. And I physically assaulted her. And then I broke down after that because I was like, oh, my God, what I what I thought was had, you know, I had witnessed and I thought I didn't carry with me. I just released that onto this person. And I felt super guilty about doing that. That was the last time I did that. And because I remember how I felt bad because I remember my mom and I and I remember my mom's face when she would get beat unrecognizable. And I was like, I just did the exact same thing. I just made somebody feel the exact same way that my mom felt. And that's when I knew like, yo, we can't be together. That's just it. If we get to that point, I got to go. You got to go. Of course, it went on for a while. It got more unhealthy and unhealthy. But my situation, as as I listened to yours, it wasn't as, you know, I didn't watch my mother get murdered. I did watch my mother um, get beat. And I watched my mother defend us i remember um uh once my mom went to court to get a restraining order and he showed up at the court he beat her outside the courthouse before she went into the court and uh it was so you know how they they called up it was like several women there so they called up several women in a row the judge did and you know they was issuing restraining orders on a significant others or whatever and so the judge was like when i was with my mom and the judge was like, it was some, he was like, my bailiff was just telling me that it was some woman in the hall, in the, in the lobby that just got beat by they, by they, uh their they husband. And my mom raised her hand. She was like, that was me. He was like, boom, I'm signing your restraining order right away. He didn't ask no more questions. He just gave it to her. And so that was like a constant in our house of like constantly being afraid. So even, so some of the things that I do now, for instance, people don't understand. So sometimes I have, you know, intimate partners and they'd be like why you keep all the doors open why you don't close the doors that was that's one of the things that I remember from my childhood because my, he would always not only would he break our windows he would break into the house and so my mom would come home she done kicked him out right we think he gone he gone about his day days later she coming home from wherever we going he hiding in the house so he would be behind the doors he would be in the closet so my mom got into this pattern of where whenever we go in the house we had to clear the house so to speak. Almost like a police officer, you know, they go in the house, they clear the house, make sure nobody hiding. She would open up all the doors. She would push all the doors back. She would open all the closets, look behind everything, look under the bed. OK, safe. He's not here. So that was really traumatic. So even now, and I realized that not too long ago, I'm like, damn, that's why I keep all the doors open, because I'm carrying this with me, not necessarily knowing that I'm carrying this with me as an adult I'm in my 40s, right? This happened when I'm eight, nine, 10 years old and so i had to realize yo sean you gotta unpack that shit so going into therapy and talking about some of that shit now i actually closed my door and i feel okay closing the door right but it it took years of recognizing like damn that's that comes from um from your childhood and even like we used to have like this little uh bathroom uh not bathroom excuse me kitchen window so we lived in an apartment complex and so the staircase was right in front of our door for the upstairs apartment and so before we would leave, so sometimes he would even hide under the steps. So when my mom opened the door, he right there, he always had this habit of like sticking his foot in the door so she, can clo- she couldn't close him out. And so then he would just pu- use his strength to push the door open and then he would get in and, you know, cause havoc in the house. So my mom was always scared of, OK, he going to be outside. So we had to look out the windows, make sure he wasn't hiding in the bushes in front of our house, make sure he wasn't hiding under the stairs. So my mom would clear that and she be like, OK, we can leave. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Right. So then we make sure everything is clear. When the same thing coming back in. OK, is he is he outside hiding? Is he in the house? Yo. Domestic violence situations. Um, and when we talk about it being with children, um, it causes a lot of things in children, not just not being able to sleep, but it, it affects children's digestive systems and it affects their mental health. It's a lot of studies about what a child being. In homes where there where there is domestic violence can affect their, their growth and their learning process and all these all these different things. So when we think about like people being violent, we think, oh, well, where did they get that from? Right. They say certain things have passed on generation, generation. So I want to ask you, if you even know, like, do you know, like, your father's family history? Like, do you, can you pinpoint and say, you know what, he probably violent because maybe it was violence and he grew up in, my, uh, in a household. Where Do you, do you have any idea where, where that came from?
1: You know, that part, I really don't know. I just, I also, you know, just recently found out that before this happened, he was previously arrested for killing someone for calling his mother the N-word. It was a, a, a white guy, and that was his retaliation. But he got out after so many years. And I noticed I don't, I don't, like I say, I, it's kind of hard to tell, but I just know my older sibling, which is you know, his child with someone else, she acts just like him, like to the T. Um, she was just in trouble for, you know, as she say, a pistol whipping fight with her and her boyfriend. They was going back and forth. Just I'm talking about they. She has his similarities down pat. So it's like far as his childhood or anything. I don't really know cause I never really met his mother because you know she passed before I was born. So I don't. It it has to be somewhere in the line of I'm guessing maybe how he was brought up, or maybe him witnessing the thing. I don't know, but. I know that his his brother has his little issues, but it's not physical. He's got like, he's currently in jail. He just couldn't get rid of that, the street life Cause you know, in his mind, he still think him and my brother is like the, the top kingpins of the city. So I don't know, I don't know where anything stems from. Like I said, that's why I kind of stay away from my older sister. Like I said, I would love to have a relationship with my siblings but I don't choose to because they look just like this man. They act just like him. And then it just bothers me to a T that if I see anyone on that side of the family, that's why I, that's why I feel like, you know, which I'm not, you know, ex- you no know, saying that their mental illness is okay. Cause you know, any mental illness is not okay. I just really feel like there's something wrong mentally on that side of the family because they talk to, well, they see me in the streets today. They talk to me like nothing ever happened or they'd be like, have you talked to your dad? He sure do misses you. I talked to him earlier on the phone, and you know he said he would love to have his daughter back. Are are y'all making any sense? Like it, it, it's like I just feel like something just within that whole nectar, something is just off. I haven't figured it out. I said maybe that's something I may need to reach out and ask, but I don't know if I want to because I just feel like they're gonna to try to turn it back on me, and that's why I don't want. So I don't. I don't really know. I have no idea.
0: I would also say, like when we when talked about restraining orders, and I talked about my mom getting a restraining order, and you mentioned that your grandmother kept telling your mom, "Get out" or "Let's call the police." Um, do you do, are you angry at your mother for not doing everything she could as far as like restraining order or calling the police or leaving?
1: In my teens, I would I will admit I was. I was like, all you had to do was listen. Like she was trying to help you, but then. Getting older, I understood more why she didn't. But it was definitely a time I was like, you knew better. Come on now. We had ways of getting out. You, you you already took the first step and we moved out the house. That's the first step. But you still had that attachment. You still let him in your presence. So that, it definitely was one of those hurtful moments. And I think that's probably another reason why I haven't been to the life, cause, you Because know, I'm all like, she's looking down at me and maybe she know I had these thoughts. So if I go there, I'm going to feel bad. And it's, it was definitely, it, it It definitely bothered me, definitely my team. I'm like, to this day, I don't celebrate Mother's Day because of this. And it's just like, I get upset almost. I, I detest from all social media. Not, no, I guess you could say I'm jealous in a sense. Because like everyone's posting all their living relationships with their mom. And it's like, I'm posting, uh, I miss my angel post. You know what I'm saying? like, it bothers me. And I think, again, that's where I think where the anger came from. Like, no, we supposed to, I supposed to be posting you on Mother's Day and we taking goofy, silly faces pictures type things. But the only picture I got of you is the the damn obituary picture. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of traumatic. Yeah, I got like pictures with my grandma I have, but again, that's when my mother was in high school. So it's just like, I don't really know much of anything. And then I went back to the photo album, uh, the funeral, and of course, my mother has an album specifically just for that. Plus, the files and everything from the court thing. And there's a picture of her in the casket. And again, that's all I, all the pictures I have. And of course, I can't post that on social media. You know think like, "Why the hell are you posting that?" So it's it's just definitely over the years, I've gotten better with it. Again, I, I can't be mad anymore. You know, like, this man just had his hands so wrapped around your neck that you didn't know what to do. I would say I'm proud now, looking at it now, you moved out, again, that's the first step, you left. It's just, if we had a little bit extra time, I feel like eventually that would been going. And what I forgot to mention with my story, um, even in the court, when we all attend the court with Mindra, I missed maybe three months of school because of this. And I'm having to go to court almost every single day. Um, the day after he killed my mother, they're divorced when their are so that was his way of well. If I can't fucking have you, then fuck it. okay nobody? So not only did you take her life, you took someone else's family member's life as well, because you didn't like the fact that she was seeing someone else. So that's just definitely a lot. I'm definitely a lot.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even I I just realized when you said that too. The other family. Um, do you have contact with the with the man's family or know the family? Because I know you're from a small town. Then I don't
1: really know who he was um i'm definitely unsure i know my mother now knows of his people um but i i know with the appeal they did i know they also wrote a letter as well i don't know what they said you know i know how some people are people are you know like well you know what he did this i t- i mean if that's what you think that's cool i mean i don't know what they wrote um but that entire side did, and I just know with my letter, I just explained why I just feel like I don't want him out. Um, I just can't see myself writing a letter saying, you know what, he made a mistake, you know, he did his, his time, it's okay, let's get him released. I don't feel like I would have been okay if I hadn't sent that letter. Again. I just was like, because I don't know who's to say. I would have did that because you, you just know, again, you don't know how this could have played with me mentally for real. What if I, like you said, where you had your moment where you reflected back? What if I had have did this letter as in a place, say like, all right, cool, let's get him out. And that was me trying to trap him to take his life. It's just a lot of things that played in my mind. Like, yeah, I could have, you know, wrote this letter like, oh, cool. Let's spend some time together. Because no one would have thought that it was in me because I'm like, oh, well, this is, his, this is the, the, his child, you know, whoop-de-woo. And then it could have ended differently. And I'm playing the game like, all right, cool. But that's my dad. We are gonna make up for the time lost. And you took my mother, and this is gonna, this is like your payback. So I was like, no. Nah. And then the fact that you know, now the tear of my grandma because right when they was taking you back, when they made the decision, you shouted her out. It's five more people on that list you want to kill. And to this day, my grandma thinks that she's one of the people on that list. So that's why it's just. It was definitely weird saying that and that's why I said like I told you my grandma is my baby to this day I take care of her due to you know since she had the stroke I would never want to leave her she never loved me so I just feel like why would I leave you it's it's alright I know it's some people say it's kind of selfish but I don't see it that way if you were in my shoes and understood all the sacrifice she did while my mother was taken away from me I have to do what's right and show that love back
0: do you believe in rehabilitation well, so what I mean by that is because you you mentioned of like not wanting to write a letter and 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 that, and that's perfectly all right, right? Because I mean, you do however you feel that's good for you. But do you feel like okay, you've been in prison since ninety four? That's what twenty nine years ago. Um, and you saw him when you were what you said twenty two. Yeah. So, do you feel like all this time in prison? He could be a different person. So, meaning rehabilitation. I don't know where maybe he found God, and maybe like he, like changing his
1: life around that he, yeah, he yeah. made a mistake.
0: Yeah, rehabilitation where he like, damn, I fucked up. I, and we argue. I always argue this point. I'm not saying that I'm I'm right and you wrong, or vice versa, or whatever. I always argue this point with folks. And I'm like. Because I believe in rehabilitation. Uh, I always feel like in somebody's deepest, darkest moment, that moment, meaning when I say this, when you add in the, at, I hope that people at, at work always want to argue with me about this, but like when you land in your bed and it's just you and it's dark and you about to sleep, I feel like we all have to reflect on the things that we've done, whether it be today for what we did yesterday, today day before yesterday. I always feel like in your mind, people had it, that reflection of the shit that they done. So I I don't know if I think of I would like to believe that people could be rehabilitated as human beings. I don't fucking know. I don't know. But do you feel like he sat in prison all this time and maybe he had that moment to say, damn, I fucked up. And and could he be rehabilitated?
1: I feel like if that was the case, as many times, like I said, where I'm in a small city, everyone knows my address, especially family wise. Why haven't you personally wrote me a letter apologizing? Um, even when I went to visit him, he didn't apologize really. So I just felt like this is something that could have changed you. The first step is always apologize. And you, you even had a face to face moment. You know what I'm saying? Again, from six to 22, that's definitely a amount of time to change your life. But I didn't get that. And like I said, this is where I'm just used to him being manipulative. Who's to say, you're just saying this to make me like you a little bit. And then. Build that relationship to now. I said, I'm a firm believer in karma. And, you know, his sister now giving me, well, you know, your, your daddy has terminal cancer now. That's why we want him out. And that's not my problem. I mean, sorry that it's happening to him, but what you want me to do? Like I said, just understand, you know, karma comes in a mysterious time, a mysterious way. And just so happily, he has his terminal cancer. And I honestly wouldn't know how I would feel. I was to get a phone call today and say, "Well, inmate such a, such has died." I wouldn't know what to say. I don't. I mean, okay, all right. Well, you might want to contact his sister. <laughs> like, what you want me to do? I just know now. I'm currently in the um, a legal standpoint of trying to get his burial plot removed from beside my mother and put it for me. Um, that is what, what really pissed me off. That's I just hope his side of the family ain't that smart or dumb to be like, well, legally, nah, put them in y'all's family area. Y'all got y'all's own land, do what you need to do. So that's why I have, you know, a lawyer in it with that. Like I said, I don't want it to be like, to where every time that I'm getting these phone calls on, me, there's no, I know it's my sister calling me, which I'll never answer. I don't want to be like, well, your dad's dead. Um, how do you feel? What do you mean? How do I feel? The answer is no. The answer is no. I want it to be that. would Be my spot. I should be the one buried beside my mother, not you, because you're the one who put her there, not me. So it's definitely. I I really don't. I don't believe it. I mean, like you said, to some people, it could be a change. You know what I'm saying? People can change. I I, I do believe that, but I just feel like at his point, of view, Nah, nah. That's a
0: that's a lot to like really take in as a six-year-old. So I, I want to ask you this question. Earlier I mentioned of like there's being two sides to the coin, right? And there's the red side, which is the, the the bad side. We consider the bad side of like the things that happen that we can't change, right? And so we think of the blue side of like the the, the 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 positive outlook on things. And so when I, I mean, of course, there's no positive outlook on this particular situation. But what I mean by a positive outlook, I mean me and you coming here today, and talking about this, uh, wh- what was your point for wanting to do this episode? Because then you you suggested this. He was like, yo, let's do this for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So wh- what was the blue side of it that made you want to do this?
1: Hopefully that it was definitely going to be an eye opener, especially hearing it from both of our perspectives on our history behind it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, just to inform, like I say, anyone who's listening, who may be going through this or know someone who's going through this, just know, understand you can be in a situation where you can lose someone as close to you, whether it's a friend or a family member. Or in your case, you know, where, you know, it's, you're just seeing the beating as well. that it's not okay. Go ahead and just remove yourself. And I'm hoping within this podcast, I we did help, you know, at least five people. That's good enough for me. If we can get five people like, you know what, I'm done, I'm satisfied more would be great but my goal is that at least five people who've heard this who may know someone who has my sit and listen to this that would be good for me i would be okay i would be content with that
0: you know um I always I used to be upset at my mom I was pissed off I was mad and I talked about this before on previous episodes I didn't legitimately in my mind say I love my mom until I was in my 30s but by my mom staying in this situation, it completely changed who she was as a person. My mom became angry. She became just evil to me. And at a moment where she should have been loving her children, she she in turn took it out on us. And I would say more so me than my younger brothers. She was verbally abusive. She, I thought, was physically abusive to me. I don't believe in hitting children. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't spank my own son because I just believe that that's traumatizing for kids. And we all have our own beliefs, but this is just how I feel. Right. And I was she just went before she had my little brothers before she met this man, when it was just me and her, my mom was the most happiest loving mother. Right. She taught me how to read. We, she used to teach me how to cook. We used to spend time together. I went everywhere she went. She used to tell me I talked too damn much and told all our goddamn business. <laughs> right. Because that meant I was always with her. But she did a complete opposite. She did a complete flip when she met him. She became angry. She just and sh- and and she became negative, and so that fo- and I used to always be mad at her. I was like, "Damn, I, where where's my mom? Like, who is where is that woman who was here before?" Her? I, f- I always felt like she was there, and that I didn't love her because I didn't I didn't know, I didn't know who she was. Who is this? You allowed this man to hijack the goodness in you to hijack being a great and loving and nurturing mother, and so it it just you know. I, and I said before, right? I, I I had never really talked about some of these, and I could go on and on and on, right? We've been talking for a while about this, and like, uh, and sharing different stories of like what happened when I was younger, and I I I feel like that wouldn't change the fact that if people know what abuse is, people know what verbal abuse is, people know what physical abuse is, it doesn't change the fact that if you're in that type of a situation, that you need to find um, a way to get out, or even just some support. And I know that you say you had some resources. Um, you want to kind of like share some of those resources that you have?
1: Yes, there is a National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can either call in or even text. The call in number is um, 800-799-7233. And especially with that, you know, they can also, you know, you can tell them where you're located. They can also find resources of if there's any help in your area or it's somewhere nearby with that. And if you're someone who don't like to speak on the phone, which it says OK, there is a text option. Um, You can text the word start to 88788 and it's still like the similar uh, steps with the phone call. They just go ahead. like It's like a chat representative almost in a sense and they help you with that as well. Um, and definitely with um those two um, resources there, it would definitely, again, can be your first step, you know, letting me know this is what's going on. And they would also explain there are programs that will definitely help out in this. Um, to get you where you started. There's different programs to where, you know, where you're, if you have a child, they may have programs for a kid care for you while you're, you're finally able to work where someone may not have wanted you to work. You know what I'm saying? There's different options for you to do with these um, type of resources. Um, again, if you feel like you don't have anyone, trust me, there's always someone willing to help you. It's always someone. You just, you know, first start within yourself and believe that this is not where you want to be. Some people be so consumed in their mind, like, you oh, I, I, there's nothing I can do. There's always something you can do. You got to first want this within yourself. And once you make that decision within yourself that this is what you want, everything else get left behind and you just move forward with it. Again, it can be traumatizing. It definitely can, especially if you're used to that or if you, you know, saw that growing up as a kid. There's ways out of it. Again, just take that step. Again, that number is 800 799 7233. And you can also text starts to eight eight seven eight eight. And I do have a question for you as well. I know you're like the one who's always asking questions, so <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I actually this. with this being you know your first time opening up this way, how does it make you feel?
0: Um, it's a bit triggering in a way, um and I I kind of I think I kind of held back a little bit too. I didn't I didn't really get into it as much as I wanted to, but I think that. Um, i i i think it's a little triggering for me um because i never really processed it and i i i hold a lot of anger and so um and a lot of anger towards my mom and i think that also come from um when i've talked about previously of being homeless right so it all of these things that in the ways that my mother act reacted, i felt was a a consequence of her staying in this bad relationship. And who's to say that it is or it isn't? I don't know. And I will also say it's, it's contributing to the church and all these things that are just like all intertwined of how um, that contributed to how my mom processed and how she carried things out. But I think that um, it feels, it's triggered, but it also feels good to talk about because it's like if I, you know it feels good to talk to somebody who experienced some similar things and to know that yo like even though we both experienced these traumatic things in our own ways we still came out and grew up to be healthy vibrant men despite of what we saw despite of what how we may have been conditioned right because we could have been like okay well we we could have been timid and saying well we deserve that right because our parents our mothers um our mothers endured that, so that's what we're supposed to get, right? But in in turn, it gives me it gives me, um, makes me feel good that even though you can go through some of these things, because you know we always hear like the ne- negative statistics. Oh, if children are in households, they this is the number for this. They thirty four percent to have you know be depressed. All these yeah. damn numbers, statistics, right? But just yeah. talking to you and just knowing that, even though we both went through traumatic experiences, that we came out. I won't say great on the end, right? Because we're human beings and we all we all go through shit and we have to We're still
1: learning first. every day and growing every day.
0: Yeah. But I feel like, you know, there is hope and possibility even through hard times of the things that we went through. So I still need to process some of that stuff and just really that's why I have therapy. And I always advocate for therapy and, and are you still in oh, exactly. therapy too? Of course, of course. Yeah.
1: Love so, it. it was it was a breath of fresh air. It, it is. It, like i said the eye opener like oh i didn't i didn't look at it that way before and now i'm like oh it makes sense but it's definitely one of those things that is recommended
0: yeah for sure for sure and i'm yeah so i i'm still working on this processing thing of like all the things that i saw right and all the things that was done um but i feel great to have gotten it out Maybe I can explore that a little bit more and be more willing to talk about it and more open. I'm open to questions too. If anybody got any questions that you might want me to answer or a future guest on, ep- on a future episode uh, about this, I'm open to that as well. So just uh, learning that, oh, okay, Sean, it's okay. You could talk about this. It's okay. So I uh, thank you. I appreciate you for answering, asking me that question.
1: You're welcome. And I will say this, like I said, I know we technically just met and became, I feel like, to my mind, like my big brothers, so that's what I'm gonna say. I am, you know, definitely proud of you for taking that step and wanting to express that side of yourself. Where you know you felt like you know you didn't want to say just even that little bit. It can help a little bit. Just getting it out vocally and just letting it release. Cause take some type of weight off you just a little bit, even though it may not be 100. percent But it's always a step. Like I said, I'm definitely proud of you for that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I
1: appreciate that.
0: And I always say, like, I meet people, but I can pick up on people's energies. I really can. And just we we have talked this probably with our third time virtually talking to each other. And I like I said before, I can just I tell I can tell your spirit and your heart is good. So uh, you good with me, too, even though we just met and I and I don't care. We did just meet or not. You You could be my brother from another mother. That's just it. You know what I mean so if if you ever need anything you ever want to talk about this you ever want to come back on the show or not on the show and you just want to link up with me one on one that's 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 all good too I, I want to say thank you though for um being vulnerable I want to say that again thank you because this take a lot right to share your story with the world because technically we're on the platform and anybody around the world can listen. At any moment, right? This is, this yeah. is something that's in history, right? Twenty years from now, somebody could go back to them boys' podcast, this episode, and hear this story, right? So, correct. We are setting an example for folks, not just right now, but for tomorrow and in the future. So, I want to say thank you for being a guest. I really appreciate anytime, you. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and if nobody ever told you today, I love you. You are loved. Love You I so thought like of. Me. You are cared for. I appreciate you. Thank you so much so we have reached the end of this episode i want to say thank you for listening to them boys podcast once again i'm your host sean aaron he him his be sure to visit our website at themboys.org that is d-e-m-b-o-i-s.org if you would like to connect with us be sure to follow us on instagram or facebook If you think you would be a great guest on the show, or if you know somebody you think would be a great guest on the show, there's multiple ways to request to be a guest on the show. First is you can go visit our Instagram page, click the link in our bio, and from there you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Or you can visit our website, click the programs tab up top, scroll down to podcast, click the podcast button, and from there on the podcast page, you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Yo, we need questions, y'all. If you have those burning questions, a question that you want to ask me or a future guest on the show, there's multiple ways that you can send in questions, right? So first, you can go to Instagram, DM us that question, or you can email us at hello at themboys.org. That's H-E-L-L-O, like hi, at themboys.org. Be sure to like the show. Be sure to share this show out with your friends and other folks in your networks. So until next time, take care.